Jesus. And so um, Justin had given me the suggestion, and I thought it was really good, that we're at the midway point of the year. So to just recap where we've been in our sermon series. A couple of reasons for that are, one, um, we, you know, are really trying to create sermons that are like spiritual formation for you. So we hope that you come every Sunday ready and eager to learn. And so it can be helpful to look back and see where we've been and think about that. And then also, um, we, we are hoping that each of our sermon series sort of feed into the next. It's my first year crafting a whole year of series, so I don't think I've totally nailed it, but I'm working on it. And uh, let's talk about where we've been. So in January, we had our first series called Who We Are and Are Becoming. And in that series, we talked about how when the Holy Spirit was first poured out at Pentecost, the church was born, and it was highly relational, and people took responsibility or ownership for each other and for the church that was being created by the Holy Spirit. And now, because the Holy Spirit has come, we already are and are yet becoming people who prioritize relationships and time around the table with other people and um, ownership in our church family, like being part of a team. And so the convergence point to where we've just been in the Imago Dei series is that we're being formed into Jesus' image. And Jesus is God, and God dwells in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that means that our God is a relational God. We are made for community. So Jesus gave his disciples the Holy Spirit when he left the earth, and the Spirit immediately got to work turning them into a church. And that's God's plan for the world until Jesus comes again. And then we moved to our series, Long Road to the Cross, which led up to Easter. And we talked about how Jesus is the suffering servant, not the warrior Messiah king that Israel expected. And he did conquer, but he did it by suffering and dying and letting his own blood be shed. And instead of the, instead of inflicting violence and bloodshed on Israel's enemies. And then by rising from the dead, Jesus proved that he is the king who sets us free from the power of sin and death. And we won't be anything like we were created to be outside of relationship with Jesus. And if he refused to seek status and power and vengeance and instead came as a servant and laid his life down, we should seek to do the same. Then we moved into our What is the Gospel series. And in that series, we talked about how the gospel is not the plan of salvation, which is like the four spiritual laws or the bridge to God or um, the Romans road, but rather the gospel is the story of the whole Bible. And the story of the Bible is about Israel and then how Jesus completed Israel's story. And we need to learn that story so that we can better understand what God is up to in the world and where we're going. And so we can tell the story of the gospel better. We learn that story by embracing the practice, the formation practice of reading our Bible, listening to the Bible, both in our personal time and by coming to church ready to hear and receive the good Bible teaching. And then our series that we just wrapped up last week, it was called Imago Day, and we talked about how if we're going to understand the story, the grand story of the whole Bible, we need to understand what God's original intentions were at creation before sin entered the world. And during the Imago Day series, we talked a lot about how we were made in the image of God, 
And because of sin, that image was broken. And we ended this series by talking about how Jesus is restoring us to the image of God by transforming us into his own image. But how in the world do we actually do that? How do we become the image of of Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to take the next six weeks to talk about, because we participate in the process of becoming like Jesus through practices of formation. So in this series, we're going to talk about how the Father is forming us into the image of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. But do you know that being formed into Jesus' image or spiritual growth or spiritual maturity isn't like a software update that you like walk into the room and suddenly your computer's just like doing a thing and it's updating and it takes a whole hour and you're so annoyed, but when it's done, you're secretly kind of glad because it is working a little better. It's not like that. Jesus expects us to participate willingly with the Holy Spirit in what he's doing in us. So the Holy Spirit works to make us more like Jesus, and we can participate in the Holy Spirit's work through practices of formation. So the formation practices we're going to cover in this series are prayer and reading our Bibles, using our spiritual gifts, listening to the Holy Spirit, and giving, which is not at all an exhaustive list of formation practices, but it's a good foundation. And hopefully we'll share some new practices with you. Maybe something you haven't tried before. Because often we get a little bit bored of our, you know, routine of devotions or reading or praying. And it's because, you know, somebody told us how you do it, how you spend time with Jesus. And we get boxed into that. And we think there's only one right way to pray or to be with Jesus. But over the centuries, the Christian community has developed many different practices of formation and different ways of praying, reading our Bible. Bible and being with Jesus, and all of them have that goal of intimacy with Jesus. And they're not, it's not what saves us. It's not a measure of how Christian we are, but they're tools that the Holy Spirit uses to shape and form us. But we have to ask the question, like, do we want to be formed? If we compare it to something like getting in shape, you know, it's going to take time out of our busy lives to do it. We're probably going to need to be consistent and to have a willingness to do something that we don't necessarily feel like doing. And so this happened to us, or to me at least. In September 2019, I was um, sitting in a class at my school and um, I was away for like a week-long course where you just knock out a whole class in a week. And Justin sends me this text, and he says, uh, ignore the mushy stuff, do you think we should join a gym? And I said, is this a joke? (laughs) Because we've talked many times about how dumb it is to join a gym because you join a gym and you give them your debit card and then they just keep taking money out every month. And you never go, of course not. And so... Then uh, he said, I was thinking about maybe joining the CrossFit cult in Goshen. And then I said, I thought he was possessed of the devil, not today, Satan. And uh, I could not understand that one at all because we've also talked about how we know people that do CrossFit and they're crazy and it's too hard and we're never going to do that. And so I was like, am I even speaking to Justin Clark right now? But he won me over because he made the very solid point that 
we are so lazy that unless we literally have someone telling us exactly what to do and standing over us, forcing us to do it, we're never going to work out. So that's what happened. We started going. And um, I'm really bad at it. I go like two or three times a week. I don't like using barbells. I have a terrible attitude about it. And so I haven't improved that much in the year and a half that we've been going. Other people that have been there like three months and apply themselves are already way past me. And so the coaches are so kind. We go over here now to Haymaker because it's literally across the parking lot and I am out of excuses. And so I'll be, you know, trying to do something like a deadlift and the coaches are so kind and patient and they're like, okay, why don't we just bring the feet in a bit more narrow, push your hips backwards, really pin those those clavicles down, you know, and in my head I'm thinking, the problem, sir or madam, is that you think that I want to improve in this area. (laughs) I wanted to get a workout in. This was not intended to yield actual athleticism. Come on. And so I am attempting to get a little bit better attitude because I would like to not be mush when I'm 80 and still have some mobility, but um, I am not a model CrossFitter. And this is also not a good model for how to approach spiritual formation. It would be better if I was approaching this with more willingness to try new things and some openness. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit is always delighted to engage in the work of causing us to be more like Jesus because Jesus is the perfect human, the exact image of what God intended us to be at creation. Jesus is everything we wish we were, who we would be if we were our best selves all of the time. And so becoming like Jesus does not mean quitting your job and becoming a Jewish itinerant preacher and roaming the Galilean countryside with a small group of friends, as fun as that sounds, right? Becoming like Jesus means becoming more human, becoming all that God created you to be. Jesus is the most confident, self-assured, joyful, kind brave, emotionally intelligent, good, non-anxious person who has ever lived. So as you become more like Jesus, you will like you better. (laughs) You will be happy with the change that occurs. But as we'll learn today, that change in us, our formation, it's not just for ourselves, but for the church community and for the world as we interact with it as kingdom people. The practices we'll discuss will form us, but we are also being formed together into one body of Christ and into kingdom people who are partnering with Jesus to heal and restore people to relationship with God. So my hope in this sermon is that wherever we're at, in the process of developing practices for formation, we'll be ready and eager to get started or to go deeper. So for the next six weeks, we'll study formation as we look at the life of Jesus and his ministry in the book of Luke, Luke's gospel. So some of it's going to be stories of um, Jesus being formed by the Holy Spirit himself, his own formation process. And some of it will be Jesus teaching his disciples and their experience of formation as they lived and traveled and shared meals with Jesus. And then we'll pull in some other New Testament scriptures to supplement as well. And hopefully we'll take real and practical steps toward becoming more like Jesus.
So in the last series, we just ended Imago Day. we shared a scripture a couple times that just gives a really clear picture of Jesus as the image of God. It's Colossians 1.15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Everything was created through him and for him. This is where I want to start. Jesus is everything. Like we know that. But I really like how the apostle put it in Romans 11. He said, For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And I usually only use um, NLT because it's really easy to understand, but I liked the way the NRSV put it because it's really succinct, and I guess I'm into conjunctions, for from him and through him and to him are all things. You are being formed into Jesus. It is Jesus that is forming you through the Holy Spirit who lives in you, and you are being formed for Jesus. And I want you to know Jesus because Jesus is the point, the goal of our whole lives. You are not saved into a a religion, into a system of belief, or into a set of ideals or rules. You are saved for a relationship with a real person. Who is God? For from Jesus and through Jesus and to Jesus are you being formed. To him be all the glory in your life. Amen? But as you are being formed into Jesus, by Jesus and for Jesus, Jesus is not Michelangelo and you are not the David. Because in that analogy, the block of marble that gets turned into a famous statue is passive. It doesn't do anything. And that's not how this works. Formation requires participation. So let's look to a story that Jesus told, a parable, to see how this works. It's Luke chapter 8. You've probably heard it, but... Um, I'm going to start reading in verse 4, but you won't see it on the screen till verse 9. And so you might want to pull it up yourself to read today in the NLT. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. And I got to tell you, this is like a really sweet time in Jesus' ministry. He's just gathered all his disciples. And chapter 8 is Jesus' first big ministry tour. He's got the 12 disciples with him, some of the female disciples like Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and they're setting out, you know, and it's going to be great. And they, they've gathered somewhere in a town, and verse 4 says, One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. So it's working. It's picking up steam. And he says, A farmer went out to plant his seed as he scattered it across the field. Some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. And other seed fell among rocks and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. And this seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. 
Here's where you'll see it on the screen, verse 9. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scripture might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. Okay, what is with Jesus here? Why is he being cryptic? Why would he tell a story that he did not intend his audience to understand? Well, is that really what he meant? Let's dig into it. So Jesus, when he says, when they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. He's quoting from the prophet Isaiah out of chapter 6. And Isaiah was a prophet of Israel during the years right before the nation of Judah got exiled to Babylon and the temple got destroyed. It was a horrific time for them. And, and Yahweh tells Isaiah, go prophesy to Judah and tell them to repent or they're going to be exiled. But Isaiah, I just want you to know, like, they're not going to listen to you because their hearts are too hard, but I still want you to go and tell them in case a few of them listen. See, God knows how stubborn we can be. He knows how we can be like, la, 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 I can't hear you. And he'll just keep telling us the truth, whether or not we listen. And that's because God is always pursuing us our whole lives, always inviting us into truth. So Jesus is quoting from Isaiah to say that if people just come to like see the Jesus show, the healings and miracles, and they're not really listening to him, they're not going to understand what he's doing, the kingdom that he's announcing, how he's telling them everything is changing. But if they listen and become his followers, they will gain understanding. It's about the quality of our hearing. If we have a desire to learn, the Holy Spirit will give us more of a heart to understand. A lot of people say that before they knew Jesus, they couldn't understand the Bible at all. And then when they invited Jesus into their hearts and were filled with the Holy Spirit, suddenly their mind could perceive what it was saying. So then Jesus goes on to explain the parables to the disciples like they ask. And I'll read this part to you, but it won't be on the screen. So again, you might want to look it up. Luke chapter 8, verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. And the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. The message to us through Jesus today is that we have to participate in our own formation. 
His call is to us is to choose to be good soil. We can choose that. We don't have to be rocky or thorny soil. We can choose to have soft hearts that are easy to dig around in, ready and willing to be formed into Jesus' image. People who hear God's word and cling to it. God is always working in you to make you more like Jesus. But if we don't do anything to participate in that, our growth will be stunted like the seed that fell on soil that wasn't ready to receive it. Jesus gave us three examples of seed that did not fall on good soil to give us a bit of a warning. It's our choice how we respond. We only grow, we only become spiritually mature if we choose to be good soil. So if you have given your life to Jesus at any point, but you're not really doing anything about it, you might feel frustrated in life or bored or unsatisfied, and it's because you need to grow. You need to take on some practices of formation and commit to being a disciple of Jesus. To put the analogy a completely different way, it's like a four-year-old who's being totally resistant to potty training, even though they're fully old enough and capable to do it. So they sit around in a soiled diaper when they could be experiencing the benefits and privileges of using the toilet and wearing big boy underwear. <laughs> but if we do participate, if we do invest in our own formation, Jesus gives us a promise, a huge harvest, a harvest of a hundred times what was planted. This was not a normal yield. That would have been like an incredible bumper crop year. The promise is that the Holy Spirit will take whatever effort you put in and join with it in, in creating a harvest of righteousness in you. So as you develop or deepen your practices of formation, like learning new ways to pray or different ways to think about the Bible, or learning how to use your spiritual gifts, the Spirit is joining with your effort to make you like Jesus, to make you a better you. But as I said earlier, our formation is not just for ourselves, but for the church community and for the world as we interact with it as kingdom people. We're going to talk about this a lot more as we go on in this series, but let's turn back to our passage to see how we are formed for others. The same verse, verse 15. And the seed that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. See, every other time that Jesus talked about harvest in the Gospels, he's referring to the harvest of people who will hear and receive the good news. So for example, in John chapter 4, you might know this story of the woman at the well. Jesus changes a Samaritan woman's life in one conversation. And she rushes back to the town that she came out of to tell everyone and so becomes the first evangelist in John's gospel. And so she, you know, imagine the scene. They're at the well here. The disciples have showed back up. The woman has gone into the town and now people are streaming out of the village to come see Jesus. And Jesus points to them and looks back at the disciples and says, the fields are ripe for harvest. And Jesus and the disciples stayed there a couple of days ministering to people that Jews usually never talked to. 
And the, the formation the disciples experienced in that ministry tour was that the good news is so much bigger than their racism towards the Samaritans. And so they got on board with what Jesus was doing, and so many people benefited from their formation. Formation causes a harvest of righteousness in us, but it is not just for us. Because in truth, you already know this, if you're following Jesus and becoming more like him, nothing is ever really just for you. Jesus gathered a group of followers who would naturally never have been friends. We have, you know, Matthew, the tax collector, who's working for the man, working for the Roman government. And then you have Peter, the zealot. He's trying to overthrow the Roman government. And then he makes them live together and share meals together and learn to see the good in each other and then puts them to work, sharing the good news from town to town, inviting people to experience the good news along with them. And this is not really different from our lives. The Lord calls you to join yourself to a church family. And then turns out it's full of a bunch of people who you would never pick to be your friend. And then the Holy Spirit starts telling you to give up your judgment or your snobbery or your general aversion and love them and be good to them and take care of them and to receive all of their goodness as a gift to you. And if we're obedient to the Spirit, we start being formed into a community, into the one body of Christ. And then Jesus takes it further and expects us to move beyond our hopefully safe and beautiful church family and be with all kinds of people in our job, in neighborhood, and acquaintanceship who you would never pick to be friends with. And the Holy Spirit starts telling you to get out of your Christian bubble and love them and be good to them and take care of them and receive all the goodness they have as a gift to you. And as you become community with them, to invite them to experience and receive the good news along with you. The fields are ripe for harvest. And Jesus promises that if we choose to be soft, pliable soil, we will produce a huge harvest. Let's recap where we've been so far. If we have given our lives to Jesus— We are becoming more like Jesus, but we must participate in our own formation. And we'll be learning practices in this series that will help us to participate. And we are being formed. We are becoming like Jesus, not just for ourselves, but for others. And here's the last point I want to make. We're Americans, and so that means that basically from the moment of our birth— We're told that our worth is found in winning and achieving and producing and being useful. But that is not how the kingdom of God works. It's not how formation works. Formation is a long, slow walk in the same direction. That direction, of course, is toward Jesus. So let's read the same verse again, but with a different emphasis. And the seed that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently, that's the key word, produce a huge harvest. Your formation, your process of becoming like Jesus, and likewise your practices of formation, will take the rest 
of your life. So settle in. And depending on your personality, you probably either think about formation with an achievement mindset, like I will check the boxes every day, or a defeatist mindset, like why even get started? I'm terrible at this. I'll never get anywhere. I'd like, you, I'd like to encourage you to resist either an achievement mindset or a defeatist mindset. One of the most important authors on the subject of spiritual formation in the 20th century was a man named Henry Nouwen. And he said that our practices of formation, like prayer or time in the word, was not about getting something done, but about wasting time with Jesus. Like the way that you delight in wasting time with people you love, you know, in the backyard on the weekend, on the front porch on the weekend. It's not about being productive. It's about being with. And that being with, not perfectly, but consistently, over the course of your life, will reliably form you. One time I was um, at a small group at the first vineyard that we served in, in Syracuse. And I was in my mid-20s, and we were uh, talking. It was all people that were quite a bit older than me. And they were talking about experiences in their life where they had gone through a devastating loss. One man told us how he lost his car lot and his house, and all of his income on the same day. And he had to trust the Lord to see him through. And and the Lord did see him through. He recovered. He was successful at that point. And I, I raised my hand and I said, do you ever get to the point where when you go through a loss, like even way more low key than that in my case, that you like don't throw a fit anymore, like a hissy fit at Jesus for like, what's happening? Why are you making me go through this? And there was a woman there named Becky Campbell and she um, just radiates the presence of Jesus. And I think it's because at that point she had spent like 50 years, you know, practicing formation. And this is a picture of her, she's just a lovely woman. And she, um, she looked right at me, and with tenderness but fierceness, she said, you do. You do get to that point. You spend your lifetime going through stuff with Jesus, and you see his faithfulness in your life, and you stop throwing a fit. And in that moment, the harvest of righteousness in her was calling me up into maturity, And the harvest of righteousness in her was speaking to me that it is worth it to patiently and consistently practice formation over the course of my life. She was using what God had given her and developed in her for me, for my formation in that moment. So we are becoming more like Jesus. We are being formed into his image. And the practices that we engage in help us to participate in what the Holy Spirit is already doing in us. But that formation isn't just for us. It's for the community. And that formation is a long, patient, consistent walk in the same direction. Justin, you want to head back up? So as we wrap up this first message in our six-week series on formation, here's the challenge I want to give you this morning. If you currently don't have any practices of formation, choose one and get started over the next six weeks. If we talk about one on a Sunday and you think you might want to try it, don't wait. Just get going on it. We'll also be posting some resources on our Facebook page so you can learn about specific practices more if you're interested. 
And if you already do have some good formation practices in place, that's great. But I encourage you to try something new, like a way of praying that you haven't done before, or to deepen a practice that you already engaged in during the next six weeks. Because new practices give us new ways of connecting with Jesus, and that often stimulates fresh revelation of Jesus or a deeper affection in us for Jesus. So get ready to learn some new things. Make it a point to be here on Sundays or to catch the video. And let's learn together. Let's be formed together. Would you pray with me now? Holy Spirit, come. How much we want to be formed into your image, precious Lord Jesus. How much we fail in that. But we thank you that the Holy Spirit is always working working over time, taking whatever effort we put in and using it for your glory in our lives. Would you conform us to the image of Jesus? Would you teach us some new ways of being with you? We say, Lord Jesus, we are good soil. We choose that today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. During this